Hello and welcome back to Parallel Passion. First off, I'd like to sincerely thank everyone who supports this show on Patreon. If you wish to join this awesome people, go to patreon.com slash or follow the link in the show notes. You'll not only be supporting this podcast, but you'll also receive a special supporter package with stickers, coasters and whatnot. Today I'm joined by Yannick Schutz. He's a microactivist and a photographer who loves to be outdoors. He recently moved from city to countryside, so we discussed the reasons behind that. We also dive deep into photography, photo editing and of course coffee. It was a really interesting conversation, so I hope you'll enjoy it as well. Here's Yannick. Hi Yannick, welcome to Parallel Passion. Hello, how are you doing? I'm, I'm good, how are you? I'm great, man. Uh, well, more rested than yesterday, so I guess it's a good day. <laughs> let's, uh, let's start um, with like a short description of um, who are you and uh, what do you do? So I'm Yannick, I'm a software developer for Roku, I'm living in the countryside in France, husband, father of a small adventure of five, and like living my best life right now and trying to enjoy life most as I can and work when I need to. And the good thing is like the balance is pretty good right now, so life is amazing. Mm-hmm. Let's let's just start there because like when I when I looked uh, into into you on like social networks and everything, it says that um, you practice slow life. So um, can you can you describe what you mean by that? So a few years ago, we were living in the city. Um, like my wife was working full time, I was working full time. Uh, we had our son like he's five now. And we were always in the hurry, moving from one task to the other, uh, having like a to-do list that is unbearable and impossible to finish every every week. And at some point, we realized that it wasn't working for us. We needed to like reconnect with nature a bit more and like slow down. And so I decided to like we decided really to have like a lighter agenda every day, every week. Uh, trying to find balance between work and like our passions and like we decided to move to the countryside mm-hmm. and here it's like daily we have like a pretty decent rhythm like every day is almost the same for many things but we leave a lot of slack during our days for like impromptu games activities and like not trying to overachieve every day and like just taking every day after another and like living slowly cooking taking time for everything that matters like it's really about caring less about the things that makes you unhappy and caring more about the things that make you happy and how did you come to that? Like, was there a, a, a book you read that you were like, okay, I have to try this? Or like, how, how did you, when, when was the point when you realized that um, your life at that point was making you unhappy and then you have to, to, have to change it and that this is the, the change that you need? It's mostly life and not uh, books. Even if I read a lot of books around like, like, like a lot of software developers, I read probably too many books on productivity, on work-life balance and everything. And like, sure, books are really great. They give you ideas. But at some point, you're stuck into the books and forget to live the life. 
Uh, and so it's mostly really life. Back in those days, uh, so like I said, my, my wife was working. She She's a florist, so she was working most of the weekends, uh, a few Sundays per month and things like that. Mm. And so every time I was off, she was working. And so mm. we had almost no time for us. It was like part of Saturday afternoon or part of Sunday afternoon, and that was it. Uh, and it's really just like, realizing that we love to spend time together and we love to do stuff together. Uh, whatever it is, it is like hiking, walking around, just gardening or things like that. Mm-hmm. And so from that, we just realized that we needed to slow down. Um, and books like a book that really resonated in me, but that's only for the work part is uh, Slack. And the goal of that book is, to tell you that you need to leave some slack during your day mm-hmm. because otherwise like you'll always be in the hurry and you will never have time for what can show up randomly. Mm-hmm. And so applying that also to the rest of our life made sense to me. It's like, just leave some slack. Don't have like a full agenda every day. Like try to not have everything planned in advance. Like weekends, we plan them probably the day before. Where like a lot of our friends are just like they know what they will do for the next three months for every weekend, and that wasn't working for us. That also depends on what kind of person you are, I guess. Because yeah. I know I know people who just have to have everything planned, otherwise they are stressed out of their minds, and I find it impossible to travel with them because I'm one of those people that just goes to a city and once I'm there, I just, I don't know, I open Google Maps or I found I find a local person and I ask like, so where should I go? <laughs> and I, I don't plan anything in advance, but uh, that drives a certain type of people absolutely crazy to not have things planned. Yeah, uh, I, have, I have a few friends that are like transitioning from fully planned to almost no plans and Yes, th- th- that was driving them crazy at the beginning. and But they were also like envious because it was like, yeah, we can come for dinner. It's fine. Like we don't have any plans mm-hmm. or things like that. And so you can really react to more like random things showing up than when you have like plans in advance for three months. And so you're like, ah, I'll have to do this and that. And for a lot of people, it's a burden, even if like that's how they manage their time and how they feel happy about it. It's something that wasn't working for us at all. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. The, the, but I can totally understand why some people need that. How did you then s- say that, um, okay, let's let's move to the countryside, like um, far from, from everything? So the idea really started four years ago, I think. Like actually a year after we bought our place in Belgium. Mm-hmm. So we had a, a nice house in the city. Uh, and... One of our vacation, during one of our vacation, we went to south of France and stopped uh, at some random place in the middle. I, I, I don't remember the name really, uh, but it's not what's important there. Like we found uh, like two old people living their best life in the countryside, renting uh, a small, tiny house there. Like, and we stopped there for two days, I think. Uh, and we really enjoyed the, the pace of their life. Like they were really friendly, sharing, caring about you. Like, 
and bringing you information about everything from their garden to what you could see around. And we really liked that and decided that at some point in your life, we want to be like that mm-hmm. also and be like, oh, we want like we want to live in the countryside and have a bed and breakfast and share with people. It's like living more connected to people, living more connected to nature. Mm-hmm. And so starting there, we st- we started to look uh, in Burgundy in France because we were like, if we can live anywhere, why not live like in the place you can get the best wine in the world? Like, <laughs> why not? And like it's pretty central in France, and so you can go easily to the mountains, to the to the sea, and and move around. And a lot of people are passing by, so you have a lot of tourism there. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so we were looking there, uh, and a year and a half ago. We uh, uh, we realized that the price was probably too high there, and so I asked my wife, "Where do you want to live? Like, you don't have anything to that attach you in Belgium. I mean, we have our families in Belgium and our families in France. Uh, where do you want to live if you could pick whatever wherever you want?" And she's like, eh, "I would probably live by the sea." Mm-hmm. Uh, and so we decided to look in in Brittany because. It's a really nice place. The The sea is not far from here, and people are really friendly around here. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, and randomly, I found this place, like, the week before Christmas, um, a bit more than a year ago now. Okay. So, yeah, Christmas 2017, I, I guess. Uh, and, and so I send it to her. The garden is amazing. She was, like, falling in love with the garden immediately. Uh, and from there, like we came to visit it twice and just bought it and moved to a village that is like 50 people hmm. out of a city that was like a hundred thousand. Yeah. So it's like a huge change for us. Uh, yeah. Yeah. I can imagine. Stuff not, don't always go as planned, but it's like, that's the beauty of it. And do you still have like, a bed and breakfast that you wanted to have? Do you still host people? So we wanted to do that and then realized that this place, we really liked it as it. Mm-hmm. Uh, but we are actually in the, we are looking for a place right now around here, either like some land in the village or a house. Like many people are selling their houses around here. It's like old people moving out or things like that. It's like really renewal of the whole village. Like, uh, the old generation li- uh, moving and living place for younger people. Yeah. Uh, and, and so we are looking for it and we expect to open like hopefully either this summer or next summer. This summer is probably too short, so it's going to probably be next summer. Uh, but like the goal is still to have a bed and breakfast and it's probably going to be like more like a gite where in France, like you usually rent another place and make them comfortable as home. Mm-hmm. So yes, it's still in the plans. Where where do you have this, um, I don't know, sort of um, wish to have this um, hot, like bed and breakfast, like to work basically in, in the hospitality industry? Is it something you were always interested in? Totally not. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I can guess. It's, like, it, it's a strange business to be in in some ways. Uh, but like... I, I, I never planned to be like a host for anyone, really. It's like, I'm not the best at that, 
uh, I used to be really introvert and not liking to talk with people. I was feeling bad when I was talking with people too for mm -hmm. too long. Sorry. To be fair, and like, <laughs> no, it's fine. So it, it changed really. Like, uh, that was like five years ago. Okay. Uh, 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 and in the meantime, like, I started to open more to people and like the story they have to share and the story you have to share is just like amazing. And so that, that little place we stayed by like a few years ago when, when we went to South of France really was the, the trigger about like, that would be amazing to share about, like about what you love with people, just like sharing that love of the land, sharing that love of the region you're living in, sharing the love of your passions mm -hmm. uh, is something that was like really interesting to me since then. And that that's, That's why we, we want to do this, really just for the people and, and sharing. Yeah, it's interesting because um, that's also the reason why like, I started uh, hosting people from Couchsurfing, um, where I, I used to surf like, when I was, uh, I guess, a student and broke, and that was the reason I, I did it. But like, now I do it for, uh, when I host people for a completely different reason. Because like, you, you get to meet so many interesting people and um like you you get to hear their stories you share your stories and it's um it's really rewarding in a way to to sort of expand your horizons with with other people with experiences of other people it, it's really that and i think maybe the fact that i'm working from home all day long uh and like feeling not disconnected but like not as connected as I could be with the local community yet and things like that. And it's just an amazing way to feel more open. And we're in a world where we care less about the other now than before. I mean, it's really an individual world we're living in now for most people. And I, I think reconnecting with people is as important as reconnecting with nature. It's mm -hmm. We are all part of that ecosystem and it will only work if we all work together towards a better world. And stories are amazing for that. Yeah, yeah. I, I uh, absolutely agree. And um, do you now have a, a garden as well in, in this place? Like what does the outside of the house look like? So we have about uh, 2,000 square meters here. Uh, oh, wow. So we have like... A small vegetable garden for the moment that is like seven or eight one square meter squares, really like wood squares. Uh, we have uh, fruit trees in the at the back. We have like plums, pears, apples, and probably other stuff I'm forgetting because when we arrived last year, some of the trees already gave the, their fruits. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Uh, we have a lot of plants. So the, the house was owned by British people before and they loved gardening. So we arrived in a place that was like just clean, perfect. Yeah. And it's really hard to keep it that way, but like it's a lot of work. But yes, we have a lot of plants to, to care about outside there. It's really like a full-time job. <laughs> Care, care to share any details, like any, anything anything specific that you, you plan to do or just like increase the size of everything? Um, we don't plan to increase the size of everything right now. We are really trying to have like this year, the, the goal is um, 
what do we have? Zucchinis, beans, garlic, uh, onions, potatoes, uh, tomatoes too. And the goal is really just to try and see like the, a lot of people tell you that you need to see a full year of your house or garden before really understanding it. So mm-hmm. right now it's just we're testing things and see what works, what, what doesn't. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so like the great thing, for example, like the tomatoes, we don't have any, any place indoors to grow them, but we have a friendly neighbor that is probably 80 years old. That is just like, Hey, I have that place where you can just put your tomatoes like <laughs> next to mine. <laughs> and that's the kind of, things you will never get in a town i guess yeah, it's like yeah. that man is just like helping us with so many things it's like he's really watching after our place and, and and helping us all the time for for like little things like that he's been living here his whole life so he knows the the the, the village um but like yeah we we're trying to grow as many vegetables as we can and see how it goes the last year the apples we were planning to make cider out of it Mm-hmm. Like you can, uh, you have small cider mobile. I don't know how, how it's called really, but it's like just all you need to make cider that comes to your place, and you just like throw your, your apples in there and get like <laughs> bottles out of it. Right. It's really just like a black box for me. It's just like you put <laughs> apples on one side, you get cider on the other. <laughs> and, and we'll probably try that this year. Last year was suboptimal because we had a really hot summer. Mm-hmm. And so instead of having them like in September or, or October, all the apples were ready mid-July. And so keeping them until like the like September or, or October was pretty hard. Yeah. yeah. So we, we just made, made like mashed apples last year and like ate a lot of apples mm-hmm. during the summer. Yeah, and that like also probably attracted a lot of uh, insects which yes. uh, try to eat it because like it's all ripe and, and ready and you want to pick it, of course. Uh, yeah, and you have also like really a lot of birds around here. So yes, like fruits, when they are ready, you just need to get them. Otherwise, like you lose them. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> like you're fighting with nature for everything. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And like nature is pretty well adapted to that where you're just starving <laughs> well at least we have supermarket if you're if you run out of everything <laughs> <laughs> oh that, that, that was like something we had to adapt at the beginning like we have a really small supermarket uh five minutes away from our place but it's a really small one mm-hmm. and so like when we were living in the city everything was close mm-hmm. you know, like you could walk to the supermarket and get everything you want you're like your car is necessary Everything is like car distance. Mm-hmm. And the closest supermarket that is a real one is like 20 minutes away by car. Oh. So, yeah, it's, but you, you, you get used to that. You get ready to, you think about like the food you want for the week and not like by daily. Yeah. yeah. Which is like a mind shift that is really interesting to have. Mm-hmm. Uh, and like for things like that, like, one thing I forgot in the garden, like this weekend, I just installed the fence for chickens. We have two chickens now also. So it's like something I never thought I would have. But like <laughs> we have fresh eggs every day now. <laughs> I grew up uh, like that uh, on, on in a small village and my grandma had like uh, chickens. So I had I had uh, that. So I, I know what you're talking about <laughs> firsthand. <laughs> we, we just like 
add the fence around like the small berries trees, like all kind of raspberries, blueberries and blackberries. And we were like, they will love the berries during summer and things like that and the shadows. But we're also like, that means we'll have less berries for us. Like they will probably <laughs> eat everything. It's like, like the apples, like you, you fight with nature for that. Yeah. Yeah. But it's a nice balance. Uh, but do you do you still now go around and explore other places in in nature, or do you just mainly walk just around your home and like the the area surrounding it? So yeah, we we moved to Brittany also because you have a lot to see around here. Um, like we really like inner land in Brittany is full of hikes, so we try to discover as much as we can. We're still like pretty new here we know we know like the main points but there are so many stuff to to see mm-hmm. like we love to to hike really like it's mostly day hikes because with a five years old uh you don't walk like 20 kilometers yeah, yeah, yeah. it's impossible you, you have to like it, it goes back to the slow life like you walk at a slower pace you you watch more the stuff around you. You look for animals. You look for everything, and it's just like treasure treasure hunts all the time. Uh, but no, we we really love to to get outdoors. Like it, it's something that we enjoy. Uh, both like the the coast of Brittany has like a hiking trail that is close to two thousand kilometers. Mm-hmm. So we have a bunch to see. Yeah, and inner land is probably that much or even way more inside of the land. Yeah. Uh, so no, every weekend we just wander around and, and enjoy life somewhere else. One of the things is when you when you notice the world around. Uh, at least for me, it was like when I started dealing with photography, and you you just start looking more for things that i don't know either you want to take photo of or whatever you just become more more aware of the world and um i'm wondering if this is uh if you had a similar experience when you started um, like dealing with photography totally like uh when i started photography it was mostly like street photography and walking around cities like like i said i was living in a city so you just like photograph what you have around you mm-hmm. Uh, and at some point, we decided to hike more in the forest, hike more, like discover all the the, the forests and nice lands and like epic scene you have in Belgium. You have really amazing places. And so I started to f- take more pictures there and tell that story. I, I love, like I was telling you, like I love to share a story and tell a story. It's, yeah, yeah. That's why I, I, I became like more public about that like i love writing around the stuff i'm discovering and photography totally gives you the opportunity to tell the nicest story around like the smallest things you can find outside or the biggest thing it's um really like i love to document where when we are heading out so that that's definitely part of the 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 photography life i got just like you walk around you you snap some great pictures or you plan to take great pictures because you know you'll get to that specific place that is amazing and looking great. There are those places you can really find easily because 
everybody is doing the same pictures on the, the same picture on Instagram. So you know you'll get like a scenic view there. Yeah, yeah. But you pass by and you find like a detail that someone missed and and share that instead of like that epic picture everybody has seen already. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. The white coast of Brittany is it's just like cliffs and crazy waves and and small beaches and it's just like really amazing place to to wander around take pictures and and share great stories about that about that absolutely agree and and i it's exactly that like you you start noticing things that you before um you you just didn't or you just pass by and i i think um having like a, a basic photography knowledge or just like trying trying to get good with photography is beneficial to everyone because you just start appreciating the world around you more because you start seeing things that otherwise you just like wouldn't like you mentioned street photography if you're just walking on the street you never look up or look around but then you might be missing a facade or like a really nice detail or on a, on a building or something like that the slower pace of life and just like wandering around and like being with a toddler that is just like amazed by everything and now like he's growing older so he's amazed by new things you just like realize you're missing so much when you're just walking around like not looking you're actually just seeing some place but not looking at it yeah and yeah the the it's crazy how like a good photography can like just make details so amazing I think I'm I'm a missed designer. I, I wished I was a designer, but like I'm not good at that. And so I think photography is just my way of trying to bring beauty out of this world and like show beauty out of the world. Yeah. Without like being able to create it myself. So I just have to rely on other stuff for that. You know, as a photographer, um, the the photographer matters way more than the gear it uses, or he or she or whatever. Um, but I, I'm still interested in like what kind of uh, gear you have. Yeah, it's true that like, but every photographer has those like moments where they are like totally losing their mind and not like feeling creative at all and usually that's when you buy new gear mm -hmm. because you you think like new gears will fix that which is isn't true <laughs> but yeah so for the moment like i used to photograph only with the fuji x100t okay uh, which is like a fixed lens mm -hmm. uh, i really I, I love minimalism and so like having a fixed lens that is just like perfect for probably like 75% of the shots you want to make. Yeah. Sure, you, you miss some shots because you, there are stuff you can't do with it. Um, but I was really loving the form factor, the small size. Mm -hmm. uh, but at some point, you're like, I want to take those 25%. <laughs> and so, like, as I'm not like a professional, I just switched to the Fujifilm X-T20 a year and a half ago, which is like one of their small like mirrorless camera mm -hmm. uh, and I started with the 16 millimeter 1.4 just because I wanted to do just landscapes at that time and like a really wide lens was amazing for that the 1.4 yeah allowed me also to do like night photography and really like yeah, capture yeah. the blue hour or stars or everything yeah and with the like 16 millimeters you can have really long shutter even so that gives you even more light yeah 
Uh, and since then, I also acquired uh, a normal 16 to 55 zoom lens. I'm not a huge fan of zoom lens. I prefer prime lens, but like it's it's useful when you're wandering around and don't want to carry too much. Mm-hmm. Um, and I also have like a 35 millimeter two to zero, mm-hmm. which is like when I it's a really small lens and it's like really the equivalent for me as when I was shooting with the the X one hundred T. It's like a small eighty percent percent like purpose lens mm-hmm. uh, that I use like for almost everything. So I think that's mostly it. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's interesting because I went in the other direction. Like I I have like a huge SLR with all the lenses you might want like 16 to 35 24 to 70 70 to 200 i have 50 and 85 primes i have i have everything you might want but it just it was too much equipment to carry around so i never did like if i didn't have to if i wasn't working it was just like staying at home and i just took my my phone and then uh just like a couple of months ago, or just weeks ago, I don't even know, I got um, like a Q2, um, which is also a, a fixed lens, and it's like really small, but it's full frame. It's very similar to that uh, Fuji uh, 100 line, yep. um, and I absolutely love it. Like I'm, I'm in love with photography all over again. Like I just take it out. It looks like a. a bit bigger compact or whatever but uh it the the quality it has the the lens like the 2817 lens is just astonishing like it's i don't know i think yeah like you said with the fixed lens you just you are forced to be more creative and to look more for um certain things because because you can't like if something is really far you just can't take it with a wide lens like that Mm. Uh, so you have to find a different kind of subjects to take photos of yeah it's definitely something i'm struggling with because like like i said like especially in photography I, i i love like a minimalism gear equipment like really bringing less lenses with me so that like that zoom lens is a compromise for me i I don't think I like it that much. I just, it's just practical. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I, I, I really enjoy more using prime lens on that body. Um, and I, I wouldn't take more than two lenses with me all the time. And I need something that is compact enough. Otherwise, I won't use it. And I, I guess at some point in my life, I'll end up with a Leica too. <laughs> that is just like either my primary body or second one. Uh, I'm still like thinking about buying the the m6 yeah just for like film photography that's something i really enjoyed like and i'm really missing that right now Mm -hmm. so i have like a lot of i I used to do a lot of lomography and like slow quality pictures Mm -hmm. Uh, but like film photography as like also like it's part of that flow of you either shoot it great or it's missed and that's probably fine. I mean, it's cost you money, but it's it, it's fine to miss a shot and be like, I, I wanted it, it as much. I'm more mindful about what I'm shooting at and things like that. It's like really like the process of mindfulness applied to photography with fixed lens and film photography is 
probably the, the way uh, I would see myself go in the future. But for like a lot of the normal shooting for documentation, uh, I love having like that mirrorless camera. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. It's like, it's the balance. Yeah. And it's interesting how like the more constraints you have, the more creative you get. Like it, it's counterintuitive but it's definitely true like a uh, fixed lens or like shooting on film or there's even a uh, Leica I think MN or something I, I've, or MD I don't know there's like one that is a digital camera but doesn't have a screen yeah. which sounds absolutely ridiculous like why would you buy that but as um, I, I guess uh, if you're coming from, from film it sounds like a, a reasonable thing as it it limits you in a way. It, you have to think about things differently. Yeah, it's re- uh, like a few years, I don't remember when, but like Leica also got like camera that is pure black and white, like only yeah. black and white. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and like a lot of criticism was like, why would you do that? And it's like, <laughs> that's actually amazing. It's like constraints. And like you said, constraints just bring you creativity. And it's a fixed lens, for example, like, 23 millimeters you're like oh i can't shoot like something like a 35 it's like just take a step forward take a step backwards and like you're changing that just move around it's not like yeah yeah. just zoom or unzoom just move around and like you'll see the world differently Mm -hmm. just like up down just try everything and like that's where like though i I think like i learned most of my skills right now while having that fixed length body yeah now I'm mostly learning like editing and it's not fun. I don't like that. <laughs> that was my next question. Like, <laughs> how do you edit? Um, which tools do you use? Because like your your pictures have like a similar look to them. So I, I either you're always using similar, I don't know, filters or presets or you're very consistent with your editing. <laughs> uh, so... Uh, I moved everything to the iPad Pro. Uh, I'm using solely an iPad Pro for mm-hmm. all my photographic editing using Lightroom on it. Uh, I, like, I think there are missing features on the iPad version, but it's like a good enough compromise for me. Uh, I, I mostly edit everything f- like from scratch. So I guess like I have a few colors I prefer and that's where I tend to like move my editing. Like I love my greens to be yellowish mm-hmm. a little bit, not too much, like desaturated a little bit. I, I don't like really saturated greens. Uh, I love like my blues to go to the turquoise a little bit. And so it's like those two things are like where most of my editing goes. I, I think it changed a lot in the last two years really where like I started to shoot more, share more Mm -hmm. and got more consistent about that. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Uh, But also the fact that like I'm shooting the same kind of nature around here. It's always like either the beach and the sea and the cliffs or like the land that is more forest and like uh, utter land, Mm -hmm. which that's what we have around here. So I I guess that's why, but it's, yeah, definitely Lightroom. uh, I would love to move to Darkroom, which is like another app on, on the iPad, which is amazingly great and has like a lot of opportunities for the future. Also, you don't, you're not locked in like the pricing model of Adobe, which is like 
it's a subscription. You're not owning the software at all, yeah. uh, which is something I don't really enjoy. I'm actually pretty excited by the latest news for like iPad OS and everything where like I will be able to use an external drive on the iPad. And so that will probably solve most of my issues and we'll see like, but it's yeah, editing in, in Lightroom, exporting to, I usually export it to Darkroom just because they have like a nice Canva thing where you can just like, Make it square and keep like the white borders for 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 Instagram. Right. Uh, I like I like that because like all the squares make me crazy, and I like to see like the the, the ratio of my pictures on Instagram. Hmm. Uh, and I, I do like final adjustments there. Um, when it comes to Instagram, I don't touch the editing tool there. Mm-hmm. It's like I'm mostly done in the other things. I'm like. I'm on an iPad at the beginning, so I'm already on that mobile screen and have less to care about, like, bring back some contrast because you're on a mobile phone and not, like, on a computer and, and things like that. It's like everything is in some ways made for the mobile experience there. Uh, what what else do I use? I have, like, some shortcuts on iPad that just optimize the pictures online before uh, posting them to my blog. In what way? Like, what do they do? Uh, it's just like making sure it removes all the metadata of the pictures, reducing oh. the size, and like making them optimal for the web. Right. Really. Right. Is the goal like keeping the mo- the, the the best quality, uh, uh, but like having a small size. So I have like a crazy set of shortcuts and workflows on iPad to blog, <laughs> where like I'm. I'm using Netlify and a Hugo static website. So everything has to be like made beforehand. Like, and I have a Git client on my iPad and it's, <laughs> I have like links to those shortcuts if you want, but it's, it's crazy stuff. The, the things you can do with that app. It's like, it, it was fun to rediscover that for programming and like making sure you can upload like 10 pictures, optimize them, re-download them and save them in the right folder. So how does a, like a developer like, like you um, get interested in working, like on the, to have the full workflow on, on the iPad? Um, I would say minimalism and like being able to move with something. I, I, I don't like big computers. I like I like portable things. Uh, I don't like to carry too much weight. So you're not getting the new Mac Pro then? Uh, not yet. <laughs> <laughs> I, I mean, maybe at home I will need something like that someday. But for the moment, it's like I don't need such big equipment at home. Uh, the iPad Pro, again, I, I guess it's constraints. It's the same than fixed lens. Like you have to work around uh, the limitation of the machine and find creative solution and the like shortcuts for that is an amazing piece of software where you you actually find like a lot of workarounds Mm -hmm. and make it work in a way that is like surprisingly efficient yeah yeah no i i mean i i am also uh very enthusiastic about the ipad pro i mean i'm staring at one right now um (laughs) (laughs) 
I I really I really like it and um, also use Lightroom. But for me, the change was that I, I I used to be an event photographer, so I came home with like a thousand pics, and I had to select uh, I don't know 150 and just do quick edits like crops and uh, like just uh, I don't know enhance the the vibrance and like some polishing, some noise removal stuff like that, just like batch actions. Yep. And doing and that was like you know completely different type and of editing that I do now where I just have like one picture and I move the sliders left and right and just play around with it for like easily for hours which um is is a poor use of my time but I enjoy Lightroom so much it's um I don't know I'm I'm really surprised how good it works and how how fast it works on this iPad Pro it's just it's insane it's faster than on my computer sometimes yeah, I think the fact that like it's totally like the software is made to be on one task. So you're using Lightroom only. Your computer is always doing like thousands of stuff all the time. Mm-hmm. And like I think like you're looking that full screen Lightroom on your iPad. Uh, and like sure, it has flaws right now. Like it's not easy to do mass editing like you sh- you would be doing for uh, like events and things like that. Yeah, it's impossible. I don't think it's possible. Uh, it's crazy. It's possible, but it's not easy. Uh, I mean, for one hundred pictures, definitely I would skip that right now. But I, I'm I, ho- I have like I hopes in the fact that it will come. Uh, I think it's just like a better way to edit like the, the the pencil is amazing for like when you start editing and you need to like really do local editing yeah the pencil is just amazing like you yes. draw around stuff really on the pictures and yes uh, i really love that the and the software the uh, adobe like uh healing brushes and all that uh, it's insane it works super well. It's crazy. Because I remember the times like when I was a really hardcore Photoshop user, I guess in my high school, where there was no healing. It was just clone and clone stamping. And it was so much work. <laughs> it was ugly. <laughs> yeah, man, it was so much work to just go. It basically went like a couple of pixels at a time and you have to change the, the hue and saturations all the time to keep everything nice and smooth. Yep. And I would just select it and wait like a millisecond for software to processes and bam the object is gone it's just like how it's insane no it's really i I really like it uh it's just the adobe model that i'm not fan like the software will become probably like way better and i'm sure like before they they bring photoshop to the ipad which should be this year they will probably Mm -hmm. like add many features to lightroom uh, to lightroom yeah i hope they will do batch editing that's something that i like when i when i'm out and like documenting like family trips or hikes or whatever i'm sharing most of the pictures have the same color the same light and so it's really you edit one and like copy past many times and just do some local adjustment and small adjustments i I really like the the workflow on ipad and I, i i started to use some presets lately also a little bit because I was frustrated by my editing, uh, and that's something that is still suboptimal on iPad. You need to import them on a computer to have them available on mobile. Mm-hmm. Uh, and but like, there are some things like that are still missing. From for example, like the metadata editing, you can only do it on the Mac version, not the iPad. Right. Uh, and so uh, I like to just geotag my pictures f- just for myself, like. 
when I share them, I remove all of that. But for myself, I like to see that on a map. Mm. Like I love to see the pictures where I took them and like see like going back to some places and have like easily accessible all the pictures from that day or from that place. Yeah. I, I think that like the CC version, like in some ways will become the main version. They are just porting stuff slowly in an, like mm-hmm. in an organized way that is like different from the past. And a lot of photographers are just like, ah, I just love the, like the, the, the old version better. Like classic. Yeah. The classic, I forgot the name. Uh, and I'm just like, it's fine. I, yeah, it's. I think the the premise of CC is that it's cloud based, so all the photos are syncing to the cloud, which might not be what you need on like when you're editing a hundred pics. Yep. Um, but uh, for for like this one by one, it's uh, it's perfectly reasonable, mm-hmm. and I really like it that uh, like I make I made some uh, big edits on my big Mac, and then I go to my iPad and I just do the ones with the pencil, and it's amazing. Like it syncs immediately. It ro- it works really well. Yep. Like my my hopes for like uh, and I, I guess that that's coming, but it's like an API to get all your pictures of the cloud, so that like I have my own backup. Mm-hmm. But I'm happy with that with their cloud story right now. Um, mm-hmm. Just like yeah, I edit on iPad, like and can take it on the iPhone to share. Uh, like a lot of people are just exporting also. And when I'm on the go and I, I'm like, oh, I'll just post something right now. And I know I edited that and it's directly on my phone too. It's really convenient for that. Yeah, yeah. No, I, I agree. It's it's really well and it works really well. It's um, I'm I'm impressed by how, how good it is really. In some way, if they introduce like iCloud support, just like Cloud Drive for Lightroom CC, it would be even better so that you're not tied to their cloud. You have your own version of files. Right. I mean, you're you're tied to Apple Cloud instead of like Adobe Cloud. Mm-hmm. Probably the same same issues you might face, but at least like you can extract them more easily. Yeah, yeah. I, I see a bright future of like using an iPad instead of a computer for photo editing. Like it's easy to dump your picture on photos and import them into Lightroom. Mm-hmm. Like the the workflow is so easy on the go that you don't need like a big computer with you anymore which is what I really love. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's so fast, it's so powerful. The the iPad with this latest chip, it's uh, like cuz mm-hmm. the from the Leica you get uh 47 megapixels photos which are incredibly huge. And it it just it handles them with ease. It's I, I'm really really impressed. The the Fuji ones like uncompressed are probably 50 megs too and so it's yeah it's it's crazy like i used to edit on like a macbook 12 at the beginning like the the 12 inch because i wanted oh, something yeah. portable <laughs> oh man like you just move the slider and you wait yeah and I, you wait and maybe it's done i i think that one that computer is the first first one to get the arm chip when they do the transition yeah I can't wait. Like I love the, I love small computers. I don't want something super big when I'm traveling or when I when we're on the road. Uh, I really like like having small factors computer for that. And yeah, the, the iPad seems great. All the announcements make it like they're betting on that too. So yeah, pretty sure Adobe will follow and other companies will follow. Like mm-hmm. I, I want Adobe to not be the only leader. I want like some some other solutions mm-hmm. like you have pixel matter or you have darkroom which are both really 
promising mm -hmm. tools on the iPad Pro. But yeah, it's just a perfect machine for blogging, browsing, and picture editing. Maybe for video in the future too. But I'm not doing that too much. I, I think there's like Luma Fusion or Luma Pro or something yep. like that. Supposedly, it's really nice for, for video editing on the iPad as well. But I haven't tried it. Same, because I don't shoot video most of the time. Yeah, <laughs> yeah that's that's one thing that I found interesting with doing podcasts. Like, I, I like recording video, but I hated video editing. It's so much work. <laughs> uh, and I thought it would be the same story with podcasts, but it's completely different. Like, I really enjoy editing it. Uh, so, so, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm happy this is the case. <laughs> yeah, I, I guess, like, it, it, it's, again, you don't have, like, you have just the sound, not, like, thinking about the image, the sound, oh, it yeah. all fits together. I mean, it's too much for my brain. Like, I like those kind of like one track. You can get lost in details and like uh, color grading and uh, let yeah. me crop this and this is not straight <laughs> and I, I want like a nice transition and like jump cuts and all that. It's just, uh, just too much work. <laughs> no, I like the simplicity of photography. I'm good with yeah, that. Same same but that's there's one more thing i wanted to talk to you about and that's uh coffee huh. um i i know that like me you're also like uh like a good uh good cup of coffee and uh, i want to know um, how your story began uh i used to really dislike coffee yeah uh like six years ago uh, I don't know, the, like the third wave was starting in Belgium, which was already late for the rest of the world. Mm. Uh, and so I discovered, uh, probably like everybody first, like the second wave with Starbucks and all the sugar. Uh, and I used to like that in the past. I was like, oh, that's amazing. And it's like, it's great. And But what it allowed me to do is like starting to like the taste of coffee. Mm -hmm. And so, like, yeah, it started with a lot of sugar. <laughs> uh, and at some point, I like there, there is that place in Brussels called All Coffee. Mm -hmm. And I started to go there for work. I was, like, working remotely for a startup back then and was, like, finding place outside of my house to work. And I started tasting cappuccinos and, like, all those milk drinks. Uh, and started to enjoy it and at some point i'm like i should try just like pure black coffee and so there it goes you you taste it and you're like figuring out that when it's done properly it's not bitter at all and it's actually super tasteful uh, and from there it's like i bought uh first i think it was the the aeropress that i got mm -hmm. and starting doing that at home uh for the morning and since then i think i went to the v60 then the kalita and now i'm mostly with the kalita every morning right or most of the day <laughs> yeah um wh what grinder do you use uh i have the uh, barraza virtuoso okay that i like got from father day five years ago actually for like the first father day yeah, yeah. Uh, and I've been using that one since then, and it's like it never fell off. It's like perfect machine. Mm -hmm. It's uh, I actually like I got an an espresso machine a few years ago that I'm not using enough, but there are just two settings possible for espresso and the virtuoso. So it's like 
I'm not an expert on espresso drinks, but I can do some with that one, which is good enough for me because I don't want to be a pro for espresso. Yeah, no, I don't. I don't think uh, so. Virtuoso is a very good grinder. I, I'm asking. Uh, let me backtrack. <laughs> I'm asking because um, if AeroPress is really flexible and you don't have to have like a that good of a grinder, but this as soon as you start doing pour overs, yeah, uh, you have to have a, a decent grinder. And Virtuoso is great for for stuff like that, but it's definitely not good enough for for espresso. It's just just below good enough it's like it's okay it's not it's totally not perfect and i'm like i'm probably like kidding people that love good espresso right now saying that <laughs> yeah it, no it's just it's it's not worth it like it's um it's more work yeah, than and it is. It, it, the result cup will not be as good as you make it with like v60 or kalita or or whatever uh, it's just not gonna be that good no for pour over it's amazing i love it uh and like for the kalita the, the kalita also allows you to be less careful about a lot of stuff it corrects a lot of your mistakes mm -hmm. uh where the v v60 is less forgiving mm -hmm. Uh, and I really like that because in the morning, like when I'm not really awake, being precise is not my <laughs> main competence. I'm not good at that in the morning. Uh, like, and, and since I got the espresso machine, I'm fighting every year about like, should I get a new Barazza grinder or not? And like really invest into espresso drinks. And most of the time, it's like towards yes, but also I can go to a coffee shop for that. Yeah, I, I think like co coming from a person who has all the setup, unless you really, really like espresso, don't do it. <laughs> what what setup do you have right now? Uh, I have a, uh, <laughs> I have a Alex Duetto uh, espresso machine, um, yep. which is dual boiler one. Uh, and I have a Malkinic uh, EK43 mm. grinder. Um, That's surprising. That's a really good setup. Yes, and really expensive. So yes, <laughs> don't. <laughs> uh, yeah, I, 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 I like don't. <laughs> yeah, in the countryside, for the moment, it's harder to get like a good espresso or a good like cappuccino or flat white or whatever you want to do. Yeah, so I'm like. Maybe I will invest someday, but like for the moment, like I'm fine with pour over. Yeah, the the thing is, it you know this will sound uh, crazy to someone who's not uh, into coffee, but really for espresso, you most of the time need a different grinder than you do for for pour overs. Yeah. So if you decide to go, like I would recommend Barata Sete, which I think is around 400 bucks, something like that, yep. which is really good for espresso, but then don't use it for pour over because it's not, it's not good for that. So you would have to keep the, the virtuoso around. <laughs> the, that's what, why I'm still like pondering that. I'm like, I don't make good espresso at home. I make pretty average or below average espresso drinks at home. Mm which is way better than what I would have around here already. <laughs> uh, but yeah, it's also getting beans is always ordering online. I can't get, like I used to go to shops for that. Yeah, where do you get your beans? Uh, most of the time I'm ordering from Mock Coffee in Belgium. Uh, like they are doing great small batches and have a pretty decent blend for uh for like the the normal pour over um i just like 
buying their, I think they call that the poor boy blend. Uh, it's really 50% of Brazilian and the rest is depends on what they have, but they make it great every time. I mean, it's a really good blend. Okay. Uh, and they have like single origins that are amazing. I have an Ethiopian for the moment. I forgot the the region, but it's like really floral, like a lot of Ethiopian coffee, mm-hmm. almost tea-like. And so I just actually, when you tell, told me to start talking about coffee, I was sipping the last one of like the cold coffee and it was like so <laughs> fla- flavorful in mouth that like i was uh that's the right time to start talking about coffee yeah <laughs> but also the moment where i'll be like i'll need the next one <laughs> yeah yeah well um well then uh, let's let's wrap this up then uh so so we can both have a, a new a new cup of coffee yeah um, um what would be uh three things that you could say that um made an like lasting impression on you or changed your life in in some ways and this can be i don't know books or or articles or videos or like whatever for work and personal life uh definitely let my people go surfing from Yvon Chouinard of Patagonia mm. it's an amazing book both for personal life uh, and work life where you you just like get new lenses and see life differently f- for like both i i just read it like two weeks ago and i i was after reading it i was so pumped about it i was like oh i just want to do something about this it, it, yeah it's really that kind of book that like takes you at art and it's just like it feels right and it feels like you need to change somewhere else and it's like yeah, it yeah. makes you want to have those changes mm-hmm. um what else changed my life really uh, i would say just like nature in general like going out and walking around and looking at the nature made me become like more an activist in a way that like got involved into cleaning trails cleaning beaches and just like changing the way you see the planet earth like not as something you can consume of but something you need to give back to mm-hmm. uh and like a third one and i don't know really it's like i think two things are enough like mm-hmm. the, the third one would just be like keep like keep it real stay humble and like be be kind like kindness Kindness can be exactly what changed your life because okay. it just makes you a better person and like you'll get more from other like other people will bring you something if you're kind to them. Mm-hmm. And I don't mean like physical stuff really, it's just like they will enrich your life if you just are kind to them. Yeah, that's a it's a beautiful note to end the podcast with. So um thank you for recommendations and, and thank you for, for the nice chat. Thanks a lot for this chat and like I hope you'll enjoy your espresso drink now and I'll get a good pour over. <laughs> <laughs> Have a great day. Yeah, you too. Uh, cheers to that. Cheers to coffee. <laughs> Thank you and uh, goodbye. Goodbye. All right. This was my interview with Yannick. I would love if you would share this podcast with your friends and followings on your social mediums of choice. Retweet, like, repost, whatever. Every action helps. If you're listening in Apple Podcasts, please post a review there. And if you're using a different app like Breaker, Overcast, or anything else that supports liking or favoriting, I'd appreciate your action there as well. All of this helps other people find this podcast. You can also financially support the podcast by going to patreon.com slash That's patreon.com slash P-A-R-P-A-S-P-O-D or open the show notes and follow the Patreon link there. Thank you.
You can find this show on Twitter, Facebook and Instagram. We are at PurposePod on all of them. All the links from this episode are in the show notes and on our website, parallelpassion.com slash 32. Thank you for listening and have a passionate day.